The Athletic. Good morning. Welcome to the daily football briefing from The Athletic. It's Thursday, the 10th of August. I'm Adam Leventhal. And today we're asking How will Harry Maguire? be remembered at Manchester United. This is a very sorry end for a player who probably doesn't deserve the amount of scorn he generates. When will Liverpool complete the work to their midfield engine room? As things stand, Liverpool don't have a senior number six option. Basically, that is the priority. And what are the Premier League cracking down on this new season? It's a trend over recent years that the amount of time that the ball spends in play is on the decline in the Premier League. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Adam Leventhal. So let's start with Harry Maguire, who is going to be playing his football for West Ham from now on after a £30 million deal was agreed with Manchester United. Southampton's James Ward-Prowse is also heading to East London for roughly the same amount. Our Manchester United and formerly Southampton writer Carl Anker is here with us. So Maguire and United's tricky divorce, let's call it, it's finally settled. Let's talk about his his legacy at Manchester United. You can be cruel or kind or both. Uh, I think even Harry Maguire's staunchest defenders will find it hard to say that will be a fondly remembered legacy. Okay, he's the first Manchester United captain to, to lift a trophy since 2017, but he did it while holding the trophy alongside Bruno Fernandes, who had become the new de facto captain and supplied his responsibilities on the field. At the time, Manchester United won the League Cup in February, March. He had lost his place. This is a very sorry end for a player who probably doesn't deserve the amount of scorn he generates. I have been uncomfortable with the hatred that Harry Maguire has stirred up amongst the Manchester United fan base. And because Maguire wasn't naturally pacey, he became a meme and a punchline far too quickly. And he never, ever recovered from that. Can he be a positive for West Ham, though? Yes. I think the context around West Ham makes things a lot easier. Um, So what are the big shift between good Harry Maguire and bad Harry Maguire at Manchester United was Manchester United went from playing a sort of middle block defensive line where your back falls halfway between your penalty area and halfway line and they wanted to push closer to the halfway line. West Ham are probably going to play closer to that middle block. They're probably going to play a a bit deeper. They're not going to be expected to dominate the ball as much. They're really probably going to enjoy Maguire's runs from deep. And also I think, you know, that West Ham aren't a football club that is discussed every single day in the same way that Manchester United are discussed every single day. I would hope David Moyes doesn't hand Harry Maguire the captain's arms band just yet. I think maybe a couple couple of weeks just to find his feet before he gets pushed into that leadership group. Let's keep him away from post-match TV cameras after a big defeat for a little bit. Ward Prowse heading to West Ham unlike Maguire with, with a bit more positive energy, isn't he? Yes, it, I mean, it's weird saying that considering he was the captain of a team that got relegated bottom of the league. But Ward Prowse will head to, to West Ham. Southampton fans will view him very, very well. And West Ham fans are going to get a very good player who can do a lot of the good things that Declan Rice brought to that team. Bear in mind, before Euro 2020, it seemed to be a question neck and neck who's better, Declan Rice or, or, or James Ward Prowse. Both these players play a ridiculous amount of minutes. Warpress is a lot more than his set-piece delivery. Yes, his free kicks are fantastic. Yes, his corners are very, very good. But he's a really dogged defender. He's very good at the midfield press. Okay, he's not absolutely rapid. He's not the most showbiz dribbler. But he's going to give you a 7 out of 10 week in, week out. Much more from Carl across the athletic platforms, including the Manchester United Talk of the Devils podcast.
Okay, let's deal with the recruitment that still needs to be done at Liverpool. They start at Chelsea on Sunday, who buy players for fun. We know that, but it's not as free-flowing at Anfield. Andy Jones, one of our team of Liverpool writers, is with me. Andy, thank you very much. Let's start with that midfield engine room. No Henderson, no Fabinho. There are other options that have departed as well. What What is the plan? Well, the plan, firstly, was to, to sort of strengthen those there's positions higher up the midfield, and that's what that's what Liverpool did with Alexis McAllister and a Dominic Sabozlai coming in, and then the unexpected happened in in that Jordan Henson and, and Fabinho were were taken away by by the Saudi interest, as as you mentioned, and suddenly that number six position, which I think many supporters thought needed strengthening anyway, suddenly became an even bigger priority because. As things stand, Liverpool don't have a, a sort of senior number six option. They've got players who can play in that position, but none of them sort of either established or, or you would say is you know is the perfect position for them in in Liverpool's system. So basically, that that is the priority, and you know the the pursuit of of Romeo Lavia is is well documented, and he is evidently the the player that they believe is you know is ideal for that position. But it's it is a case of of whether they can get a deal done. And just explain the situation with with Southampton's Lavia. For people who haven't tracked the slow escalation of of bids, it's almost like just get the deal done, Liverpool. Yeah, exactly. And there is there's becoming a bit of a, a sense of frustration because of how how close Liverpool seem to be getting, but not getting quite there. So they've they've had three bids rejected. The latest being around forty six million. Um, Southampton are very much sticking to their 50 million valuation which they've done for for the majority of their players all summer that you know I think it's fair to say they, they've not sort of helped anyone else out and it feels like Liverpool may have to just bite the bullet because as I said 46 million is not too far away but it feels like it's, it's make or break at this point it's pay what they want. So there is work still to be done in, in midfield as we know in that dynamic change uh, that needs to be done. Uh, just tell us about the other priority position as far as you're concerned, because you've been writing about it for The Athletic. Yeah, so it's a centre-back and Liverpool have, have four options there. Virgil van Dijk and Ibrahim Canate will be the starting pair and then John Matip and, and Joe Gomez behind them. But, you know, there's there's been question marks about, about Matip and Gomez and, and their form and consistency. Matip especially last year, but Gomez, you know, that consistently is, you know, for a number of years has been sort of questioned and, and it's it's sort of that next stage of, of the rebuild really and, and with the new system, you know, players who, who sort of fit the the three box three system, if you like, that, that Liverpool are now deploying. There's no guarantee that they are the centre back, but I think, you know, supporters believe that the fence is, is somewhere that needs reinforcing. Andy, thank you. If you want to check out what comes to fruition, all the latest developments on the athletic and there is our dedicated Liverpool pod too, that's walk on. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. If you're just plugging yourself back in, ready for the new season, and you want to know about the rule tinkers and changes in the Premier League, The Athletic's Phil Buckingham is the man you need. He has written about it in the last 24 hours, and he joins us now. Phil, thanks very much for coming on. Let's go through a top three, shall we? Starting with how long games are going to last and it might almost be worth taking the next meal with you because they're going long already as we've seen in the EFL. They absolutely are. Um, yeah, we got an introduction to this in the EFL opening weekend and also the Community Shield 
games are going to last longer. Get used to it. Um, now, this is this is a directive from from IFAB, who who are essentially the lawmakers of the game, and it's a directive to the Premier League. That it's an extension of the World Cup and and the changes they made at the, at, in Qatar, where where games were were typically lasting sort of 96, 97 minutes in Russia. That extended well over 100 minutes in Qatar, and and, and that's that's what IFAB want from from all the the major domestic leagues. So it's what we're going to see in the Premier League. But I think you, you you're probably going to see it across the opening weekends where games will rather than 90 minutes, games will be lasting perhaps 105, maybe even 110 minutes. That's that, that's going to be the norm for the for the first few weeks, and I think then it will settle down. And obviously linked into added time is you know as we've alluded to there is is time wasting. What other punishments are available more than just plonking the time on at the end of the game? Well, they want to be a bit more um, robust with how they, they go about time wasters. I think I, I don't I don't think you'd find any supporter that that was necessarily a fan of of, of time waste unless their team is clinging on to a a one nil lead late in a game. It, it is a bit of a scourge, and, and we are it's a it's a trend over recent years that the, the amount of time that the ball spends in play is on the decline in the Premier League. Now, now they want to address that. And whether that means bookings earlier in the game, you know, a player standing in front of the ball to stop the the game restarting or kicking it away, I think these will automatically be a yellow card. The Premier League don't want to take away that the passion from the the product, but they seemingly want to get players and managers, obviously fans as well, behaving better and making that product a more attractive one to everyone. Is is that fair? Yeah, I think there was an acceptance last season across the game, whether it was Premier League, EFL, National League and the FA, that, that the behaviour of, of some of its participants wasn't good enough. And, and that was that was bringing a, a deterioration in behaviour at, at the grassroots level. And that in turn sort of leads to referees being difficult to recruit at that level. They don't want the abuse. The FA as well and the Premier League, they've all got round together and said some, something has to change. And, and whether it's confronting the official mid-game whether it's a manager coming out of his technical area, whether it's a manager marching onto the pitch at the end of a game to to confront the official, they're going to clamp down on that, and there will be greater punishments. There'll be there'll be yellow cards issued a lot quicker for these things, and 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 the hope is that the the, the behaviour of managers, players, and and, and staff will, will improve as as the season goes on. So the Women's World Cup quarterfinals start late tonight. This is how you can see Spain against the Netherlands. It's on at 9pm Eastern time. That's on Fox. It's 2am in the UK on Friday morning. And that's on ITV. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you very much for joining us. This has been Adam Leventhal, the show produced by Mike Zimmerman. The executive producer was Ian McIntosh. First-time listeners, great to have you on board. Subscribing and dropping a review for us would be great. If you've been with us from the start, thank you so much and continue to spread the word. Michael Bailey is back tomorrow morning. You can catch me on a new Friday edition of the Athletic Football Podcast starting this week. See you then. The Athletic.